Hey, everybody, and welcome into the Locked On Bama podcast. I'm Luke Robinson. He's Jimmy Stein. As always, Jimmy, how are you today? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday of Arkansas homecoming week. It's homecoming. That is kind of lost in the shuffle, isn't it? I mean, it, it, that this is homecoming because homecomings have gotten so weird. Maybe this is the way it's always been, but it, the last couple of years or or several of the last 10 years or so, it seems like we have homecoming you know, either after an off week or when we've already played a home game the previous week or whatever. But this is going to be kind of different because we will have a new starting quarterback. So it it will be kind of a different kind of deal. Well, homecoming, I know for myself, uh, I wouldn't say that we, we participate much in homecoming activities, probably like we're supposed to do. But uh, we get dressed up a little. We, we dress slightly nicer for the homecoming game. That's uh, – that's my one tradition going back. And when I say slightly nicer, I mean, you know, we don't exactly wear tails and a gown, although that would be sort of hilarious. Yeah, but I bet you look great in a gown. Um, <laughs> Floor length. That's my, that, that's how I win these pageants. Uh, okay. So what we normally get into when we do the Tuesday podcast is we talk about uh, how some Alabama players did in the NFL uh, these last few days. And, um, you know, it was another day, another touchdown for uh, Derrick Henry. He's not lighting it up yardage wise, but he does seem to have a touchdown about every game. And I don't know if you saw that uh, the the game between the Chargers and the Titans. I have the NFL ticket and I love to watch NFL on Sundays because of my fantasy teams. Man, that was the craziest ending of all crazy endings. Uh, you know, the announcers even said, okay, you have Derrick Henry in the backfield. Titans are up three points at the 50 with about a minute and a half left. No, about two and a half minutes left. And they said, um, you know, what I would do is just, I would probably just go ahead and go for it and give the ball to Derrick Henry. And instead they went for it, but they just did a quarterback sneak and they didn't get it. So then the Chargers get the ball. They go, they drive all the way down the field. They score what looked like a touchdown, but they reviewed it. They said he was down at the one foot line with about 20 something, no, 33 seconds left. So then they run it again. They said he scored, but they reviewed it and he didn't score. And now they, but the officials took so long to, to figure it out that they let the clock run down to about seven seconds. And then they uh, they they reviewed it and they said, "Oh God, not only is he not not in, he fumbled." So they they gave the ball to the Titans, and the Chargers were just uber pissed. But uh, I, I did notice uh, Damian Square for the Chargers ha- had a couple of nice tackles, so it was good to see you know those two guys doing well. Yeah, Damian Square was one of our forgotten bammers of of yesteryear, but uh, just goes to show, I mean, it's just incredible the roster of really good players, really good players we've had. And uh, Damon Square's been in the league for quite a while. I mean, going back to 20, I guess 2012, his rookie year, Derrick Henry is having a really nice career. His career sort of reminds me of Mark Ingram's in the sense that maybe year one, you know, he was a lot, you know, probably some Titans fans were like, this is the guy that won the Heisman. He hadn't done much. And year two was a little better. And now fast forward, and now it's like, you know, you wouldn't put him on the list of elite NFL backs, but he's probably in that next tier. He's really good. He could play for any of the 32 teams in the league. I mean, I mean, he he's a good player, and uh, if he keeps being good for four, five, six more seasons, uh, 
you know, that that's a that's a hell of a running back career. Yeah, and one guy who's on pace for an, an awesome running back career is Josh Jacobs. Um, only one player had more rushing yards in his first five games with the Raiders than Josh Jacobs. And that was Bo Jackson. And now, uh, Jacobs ran for 124 yards on 21 carries. And that was his second hundred yard game in a row. And he ends up with one more yard. Um, then, well, wait a minute. He says he ended up with one more yard than he had. Oh, his previous high, uh, one more yard than his previous high against uh, the Bears. And, you know, they lost, but they, I mean, Josh Jacobs, they've got an animal on their hands. I mean, he runs the same way he ran at Alabama, which is hungry. Like the goal line has his paycheck and he needs that paycheck. And he, you know, like uh, they're going to cut my lights off if I don't make it to the goal line. And he runs with that type of authority. I mean, it, it's really a thing of beauty to watch. It's something that most NFL guys tend not to do quite as much. I mean, they all know, okay, hardly ever in the NFL do you see a guy like break wide open and free like you do in college a lot of times. There's just the holes just aren't there typically. But so most guys realize, all right, I'm a running back and I got to absorb this contact and then generally go down. Josh Jacobs runs like you're one man isn't bringing me down. And um, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. He is one heck of a back. And here here's here's what's going to look good on a recruiting uh, on a recruiting poster to, to, to future Alabama backs. I think one of the reasons Josh was drafted where he was at. And one of the reasons for his early success is here's a kid that showed up in the NFL with a lot of tread on the tire. He was not overused at Alabama. He he really split carries with, uh, with, with other backs, not even just one back, two other backs. He split carries. So he shows up healthy, lots of tread on the tire. And you're like, well, you got to carry the ball to show off for NFL scouts. That's true. But at Alabama, you don't have to carry it as much as you do at, say, Iowa State. Right. At Iowa State, you better be carrying it 20, 25 times a week to impress somebody. But at Alabama, the stage is so big, the scouts are seeing you. And I really think that a lot of Josh Jacobs' success is, is due to that very fact. He, he's fresh. Uh, he's, he's, he's a young, fresh back. And, uh, but the, the, the style of which he plays seems well-suited for – today's NFL and let's not forget when it comes to Josh here's a dude with fantastic hands you know Josh can really catch the football uh yeah he he certainly can and as we're talking and for this Tuesday podcast I'm watching the Patriots play the Jets and um the Patriots also have Damian Harris who uh, I think he's active tonight but I bet he didn't get any action um just keeping in line with the Alabama running backs and the pros meanwhile Kenyon Drake uh had 21 yards on six carries and and caught passes for about 37 yards. And TJ Yeldon was also in that game with the bills, but he was inactive, but you know, Drake is, is rumored to be on the trading block, which I think would be a fantastic thing for him. I don't know. I hadn't really given a lot of thought about where it'd be the best spot for him to wind up, but I do think uh, it would be a good thing just for him to get the hell out of Miami while he's got the chance. Sort of a disaster area down there. And uh, collegiately long, and professionally, <laughs> it's a long rebuild. And uh, gosh, those fans just have to be patient. And, and and I think as we sit here today, 
Miami remains the most likely destination for Tua. And uh, let's just remember, <laughs> while a lot of our fans will be like, oh, don't, don't, don't go, don't end up in Miami. Hey, being the first pick in the draft, uh, it's not only prestigious, it's, uh, it's, it's a good spot money-wise. And so I won't feel bad for, for Tua at all. And hey, Miami's got a lot of draft capital. We might be talking about... Let me tell you another team that that had a tear down rebuild about five years ago is the Houston Astros, and they're playing in their second World Series in three years tomorrow night. So that's right. Uh, you know, so if two is the first pick of the Dolphins, uh, hopefully their uh, hopefully their rebuild will will work out. Um, so Ronnie Harrison had a pick for the Bills. Uh, Cam Robinson obviously Bills. start from the Bills. From the I'm I'm sorry. Ronnie Harrison had a pick for the Jaguars. I was looking at yeah. something for okay. the Bills. For the Jaguars, okay. I'm sorry. They they okay. uh, they played Cincinnati. Um yeah. it, it, I, I mean I'm just trying to look down the list here about some other guys that did some Julio Jones uh had six catches for 93 yards and he's probably more famous this weekend for looking really pissed off and frustrated on the sidelines, which I cannot Boy, I blame like him in the least. He doesn't oh. like to lose. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I know that you can be said of basically every player in the NFL, but I mean, Julio's a big time competitor. He, he does not like to lose. I don't think he ever envisioned uh, he'd be playing for the Falcons during a period of time when they were just really bad. But they're bad, and uh, let's go ahead and predict that former Saban defensive assistant Dan Quinn could be the next defensive analyst at Alabama. Yeah, he very well could be. And they they just have no offensive line, apparently. But going back to that Chargers and Titans game, Rashad Evans, he's start really starting to come around. He had 10 tackles to tie his career high. Um, and he made the stop, or at least was a part of the stop on the on the last game saving play. And um that was pretty cool. I like to see him and Henry uh doing so well for the Titans. I wish they were better as a team. Uh, Marlon Humphrey returned a fumble for a touchdown. He also, man, I watched a lot of that Seattle and Baltimore game. He played his ass off. He is so good in the pros. I mean, I knew he'd be good, but I mean, he's he's an all pro. There is no doubt about it this year. He just looks great. Well, we'll be sending another total wave of players to NFL next April. And, and a couple of, gosh, it's a little off track, but you know one thing that just hit me the other day, uh, that a rule – that so few of our fans know about that's sort of, I didn't mean to segue to something else. I'm really not, but you know, the, the 85 rule, you can only have 85 on scholarship and every one of our fans focuses on what that means in August of 2020 with the players that, that are committing to us and signing with us. And, and we, we watch those numbers and like, Oh, well, we can't go over 85 for August of 2020. You can't go over 85 in January of 2020 either. And we're not losing too many seniors. There's eight. Well, we got a lot of early entry guys that are committing to us. I'm just saying, in terms of our next wave of NFL players, there almost needs to be a bunch of juniors going pro to make room. Because, again, you can't go over 85 in in the spring semester either. So while this isn't something you would ever see a comment on from Nick Saban or Alabama, uh, if, if you like playing with the depth chart and the signing numbers and the overall numbers of scholarships on the team, just keep that in mind. We have eight seniors and a large class showing up with a lot of early entries. You can't be over 85 in the spring either. So that's just one thing that occurred to me as we talk about the waves of Alabama players headed to the NFL. 
there needs to be a wave of juniors. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Um, that was my cue for a dramatic pause at, that, that we talked about beforehand. But <laughs> <laughs> For those if who don't there's going to be a dramatic pause, there sort of needs to be a cue. There does need to be a cue. And in fact, when you got done saying, and I knew there was some uncomfortable silence there for a second, I was like, he doesn't know I'm pausing for this dramatic pause, uh, which nobody else here really word. knows what I'm talking about. But now they know what I'm word. talking about. How about a safe, a safe word, word for the dramatic pause? Uh, I mean, I'll go ahead and tell y'all. The reason that I was, I'm trying to make this more seamless where we have, we do have to have, we have ads in here and um, in our podcast now. And uh, you people need to go out and buy all this stuff that's being sold. Best sponsors um, in the world. They are the best sponsors, all of them, each and every one of them. I, too many to name, too many to name. But, um, you know, so Jimmy and I talked about before we started recording, I said, look, I'm going to try and be seamless about this. And instead of like a advertising cue, I'm just going to have a dramatic pause and then I'll know to put the ad in right there. And Jimmy said, no problem. Uh, he finished his state, his rant, I had my dramatic pause and Jimmy chimed back in on something Jimmy said, <laughs> thus <laughs> defeating the whole purpose of my dramatic pause. So in the future, there's a, let's, in the future, let's have a safe word. Something like pineapple. I think pineapple's very good. I think pineapple. This all right. So Jimmy, pineapple. Okay, uh, Jimmy. Let's talk a little bit more about um, the game this past weekend. You have you gone back and been able to watch the game? I know yes. you were at the uh, the the Rodney Stadium at the uh, Laser Light Show. Um, any thoughts since you've rewatched it? Yeah, the light show is better in person than it is on TV, although it's still amazing on TV. It's amazing on TV for sure. But uh, just like almost any other, just like any other Pink Floyd laser light show, you sort of have to be there. But, um, you know, uh, I, I think the defense is getting, too, too, on the one hand, too much grief. I mean, we only gave up 230 yards. I mean, that's a, that's a paltry amount of offense in an SEC game, 230 yards. So, and one touchdown, and the touchdown was was on a short field following the two interception. I I think defensively, I, I don't understand all the, the continued panicking over that. Now that said, I saw a stat today from uh, David Hale of ESPN.com. Uh, he did a lot of research on a lot of stats today, and and one of the things that that he he put out, and I retweeted it because I was like, wow, look at that. In only one game against power five competition. So not group of five, not counting Southern Miss, not counting anybody Alabama's played other than the power five. Power five only, Alabama has only held one opponent to below its total points per game average. And that's alarming. Now, because I think we all know the defense hasn't been dominant and the defense has to get better and we got all the freshmen out there and it's not the typical Nick Saban defense. We, we all knew that, but it was still a little eye-opening to me to see that we've only held one Power 5 opponent, and that's Duke. We only held one to below their season average. So, come on, defense. Well, let me, let me ask this. Got to get a little uh, better. I'm cu- I'm cu- okay, I, I, that stat is fair. As Quinn and Williams makes a tackle behind the line of scrimmage against New England right now. but um. That's a fair statement, and I think that that certainly does lead to one to believe the defense is not playing as well, which your eyes ought to tell you anyway. But, um, you know, I wonder – think about this, though. How much film study 
could Saban and company have had on Ryan Halinski and how much could they have possibly had on Plumley from Ole Miss? And, and for that matter, they thought Maurer was going to play, I guess, for Tennessee, and it ended up being Jarrett Guantanamo Bay. Now you have – I mean, Saban is going to be thorough and study for both guys and all those things, but my point is it seems like we've gone against a quarterback we didn't necessarily either know a lot about or didn't think we'd be playing, and that can sometimes have an effect on the game too, and I think it's also important to remember um, I think – Tennessee started with a short field one time, as you mentioned, and, and it wasn't like they scored 40 and they normally average 12. They scored 13 no, and normally average 13, 12. They normally average 12. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, it Correct. wasn't a crazy – it's not – or South Carolina the same way. I mean, they they scored 20-whatever and and they averaged 20-whatever. I mean, it's not a big difference. They're, we're we're holding them everybody about to their average plus or minus, mostly right. plus. Um. Right. This but is I'm a not stat that to... we've been so good at over the years. And like you said, I test alone. We knew we knew we weren't as good. There's reasons that Alabama's not as good. But it's still like, wow. Like, whew, that's so not Alabama. But and, and you know, for all the teeth gnashing of the SEC officiating this past weekend, um, you know, Alabama and Tennessee ended up with the same amount of penalty yardage. Tennessee had more flags, but we had the same amount of penalty yardage. And and also, each one of Tennessee's scoring drives was aided and kept alive by Alabama penalty. That's so, true. It's happened I, repeatedly. I mean, We're terrible in penalties. I think 120th, something like that. We're 110th or 120th in penalties. That's outrageously horrible. I wonder if that's – you know – you can't really say it's because of the freshmen along the D line or anything no. that that's because I guess you can though, because if the freshmen along the D line aren't getting the pressure, you would think that uh, Alabama defensive line would normally get. Maybe that causes the defensive backs to get in a little bit more trouble. But one thing I've noticed, and this is actually good for Alabama is it seemed the seems the refs are calling more pass interference now. And I think that's a positive for us with our receivers. And it's going to be a real positive for us against Auburn because they pass interfere every time the ball's in there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just have noticed a lot of it. Maybe it was just this weekend watching games and replays of games and, and highlights. I, I just see more and more hand fighting between defensive backs and receivers in every game and every league. I, I just, it's, it's like nothing's clean anymore. It's just all. And then who knows when the referees are going to call it on the one hand, they could call it so much more than they do. On the other hand, sometimes they call it and I'm like, why do they call that? So it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's very frustrating, but Alabama's defense is getting better. And it's because some individuals are playing better. Uh, there, there's no, I mean, Terrell Lewis, first and foremost, I mean, I think Terrell, he is blossoming into we're, – we're sort of seeing now the Terrell we thought we would always see or the Terrell we hope to see. I think even going back to his, his freshman season or sophomore season, we're like, man, this guy is going to be a beast when he gets healthy and puts it all together. Who would have known it would take this long for him to get healthy? But now he is, and I think now we see it. He's leading the league in sacks, even though we didn't play a ton of snaps in September. He's leading the league in tackles for loss. So I think Terrell is, is, is coming around. Anthony Jennings is playing well. Raekwon's playing well. Barmore coming around. Uh, I don't think Diggs and Sertan had their best games against Tennessee. 
but but we know they're good players. Uh, Xavier has been the most consistent defender uh, for Alabama all season long. That continues. So I, I think the defense is getting better. And it's a good time for it because uh, we might have to ask the defense to do more against LSU uh, than, than, than previously thought with the either the loss of Tua or, or playing Tua hobbled. No, that's absolutely right. And speaking of that, so this weekend against Arkansas, which really, sh- if it were Tua, it would be target practice. I mean, it would be just – you're literally lining up empty Miller Lite cans – on a on a railing about 15 feet away from him as he shoots him with a bazooka because I, I watched some of that Auburn Arkansas game and that is a squad that just isn't good. I mean they're they're no not dudes. good in the least. They, they they're they're dudes. slow. Their play development is so slow and their players are just slow. I mean it seemed like Auburn was in a different you know, Auburn was on fast forward and Arkansas was on rewind. I mean, it was crazy. Um, and I wouldn't suspect that they'll put up too much of an effort uh, this this upcoming week. So, but there are two schools of thought here. Do you let Mac Jones, do you release the hounds with Mac Jones? Or do you try to get Najee Harris, who now has back-to-back 100-yard games, and, and Brian Robinson, uh, who had a nice touchdown run himself this past weekend? Do you try and let those two guys begin to get a better feel for the game, um, and, in hopes that when LSU comes around, if we have to lean on them, we can. My my take is our best position group on the field is wide receivers, and yes. I got to let them eat. And I think you got to let Mac Jones try to. Uh, you got to pass, maybe not quite as much as you would with Tua because it's it's a different animal. But I think you got to let him do his thing because what if he has to be the guy to lead a comeback against LSU? You don't want to be like, oh my God, we ran the ball for 600 yards against Arkansas and controlled the clock, but we didn't get our Mac Jones any uh, good arm time. I would uh, I would suggest that what we do against Arkansas is we, we have to prepare. I would use the Arkansas game as a way to prepare to play LSU without Tua. So we got to not only play Mac, let Mac throw the ball, let Mac develop some confidence in getting the ball to our best players who are the receivers, but I would do a lot of things myself. I, I think if we have to play LSU without Tua, I throw the kitchen sink at LSU. I try everything because you have to go into the game knowing that we're going to have to score to win. There's going to have to be points. LSU, we're not going to shut them out again. We have to score points. So can we score points against LSU with Matt throwing the ball down the field? Can we score points against LSU with a power run game? Can we score points against LSU with a lot of of the Wildcat package with Slade Bolden? Is is that something we can sort of build a lot of big plays around? Lastly, how about this? I, I don't think our best play, what's been the best play all year long for Alabama, is is the slant off the RPO. That's where we've made our money all season long. Well, that's not a Mac Jones thing because no LSU player is going to believe that on an RPO that Mac Jones is going to keep the ball because he's not a runner, not at all. He's a just a pocket-passing dude. So, and a final thing I would throw at LSU 
and if we're throwing everything at him, is might might we see a little bit of Talia? Because that is Talia's game. Leah's game is the RPO and the slant. This is something that he should excel in. It's because it's what he did in high school, and I've seen him do it before. And I think he's built for that. So what I would do against Arkansas is all of it. I want to see Mac spread it around and throw the receivers. I want to see Najee and B-Rob in the power run game. I want to see more Wildcat out of Slade Bolden, and I would like to see Talia running the, his older brother's offensive plays. I would do all of it not to run up an 80 to nothing score in Arkansas. Who knows? If you do all that in a game, we might not score more than 13 against Arkansas. But the idea of it being we need to see what works. What works? Because we need to prepare to play LSU without Tua. So that's my thoughts. Who else really do you want to see step up in this Arkansas game? I mean, if you could pick one name to say, okay, I need to see this guy do some damage so I can believe in him for future games. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not somebody that we hadn't seen make a lot of plays before, but the first name that comes to mind for me is Waddle. And I say that because Jalen Waddle can produce huge plays in the passing game and Mac doesn't have to throw it very far. Get the ball to waddle and make make the pass play a punt return get the ball to waddle in space it doesn't have to be very far down the field but just get the ball to waddle get the ball to waddle get the ball to waddle that's uh because he'll make the big plays in the passing game without there having to be a to a level pass now that's not to say i fear that everything i've just said has been selling mac jones short i'm actually a fan i I think Mac Jones is a more talented passer than his biggest critics on Alabama social media the last couple of days that are just kind of doubting him or pessimistic about it. I'm not pessimistic. I think the guy's a pretty good player. And I think largely he'll be fine, particularly if he's got a week, you know, to, 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 to practice with the ones. And number two, he's not just coming in in the game. We got all week to build an offense around him, but, uh, and Sark is going to be very good at, okay, this part of the playbook's out, this part of the playbook's in. And uh, that, that's what Sark is good at. So I, I'm not down. I won't be surprised if Mac has a pretty good game against Arkansas. And by good game, I don't mean a Tua game. But I can see Mac this weekend being something like 15 of 24 for 280 yards, and, which is a, a really good day especially in an SEC game. And I can see Mac putting up those kind of numbers. But apart from that, again, like I said earlier, I think Alabama needs to try a bunch of stuff to see what works best when two is not on the field. And then whatever works best, we need to work the hell out of that against LSU because we need to be prepared for Tua not being able to play. And while I personally think he will play, I, I – I think we need to be prepared to play without him. And, and when we have a week of preparation and a real SEC game, which is one heck of a dress rehearsal for it. Yeah. It's, I mean, look, anytime you play somebody in the SEC, blah, 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 blah. But, uh, you know, frankly, <laughs> there are a lot of teams out there that your Appalachian States, those kind of teams are so much better than Arkansas. Appalachian State plays South Carolina coming up in a couple of weeks. 
And it's not going to shock me. You know, they're in the top That'll 25. Be. It's not going to shock me at all if Appalachian That'll State be. wins that game by double digits. And, I mean, if Appalachian State played Arkansas today, my God, Gertie, that would be well, a gashing. I know who would be, well, I know who would be favored. Appalachian State, they're better football team. I mean, I mean by a long shot. Arkansas lost to San Jose State. I mean, Arkansas has just not been good. Now, a couple things, couple things. Arkansas had quite a bit of success offensively against Alabama last year when Alabama was better defensively than they are right now. So, uh, obviously, Arkansas has got some talented coaches that are going to do a good job of creating some mismatches and creating some difficulty for Alabama. So, I wouldn't take Arkansas super lightly. They scored, what, in the 30s against a pretty good Alabama defense a year ago. So, I'm not just blowing off Arkansas, but we've all seen the results to date. I'm comfortable with Alabama winning the game this weekend, which is why I like the idea of experimenting a little bit. But the experimenting isn't to, like, treat it like it's a practice. No, it's a real game, and it must be one. If you don't think this is a big game, try losing it. But I do think Alabama can both win the game and tinker a little bit with the offense. And by tinkering, like I'm saying, put Talia out there. Let him run some of those RPO slants. I, I, bet, I bet he's good at it. But let's we've seen the Slade Bolden Wildcat stuff. We've already seen it some, and it, it looks effective. I wonder what it might look like if we did 10 or 12 snaps with Bolden in the game and with the entire array of plays that, uh, that, that we've worked on with, with Slade in there. Uh, let's le- let's watch Mac throw it around. Let's watch Mac hand the ball to Najee three times in a row on power plays, and then play action and throw deep to Judy. Let's 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 see if Mac can do that. Um, that so I, I think there's a lot of weapons. There's Waddle on the bubble screens. There's a lot of weapons here, and let's just see what Alabama is good at uh, when we don't have 13 out there. Well, and one other, um, just looking ahead at the weather forecast for Tuscaloosa this weekend, it it does show right now that Saturday is going to be a little colder and rainy, which I don't think we want because we do want to see Mac out there. You know, not he doesn't have to be under ideal conditions, but I want him to be in in a condition where he, he can throw the ball around. And the you know, if it is rainy, it may force our hand a bit in terms of a running game. Yeah, that's a. I wouldn't think that would be great. I don't know for sure. Max kind of struck me when I watch him throw the ball. I wonder if he's got smaller hands than most quarterbacks because he short arms a lot of those those out routes. And sometimes I wonder about his grip on the ball. But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't think that the rain would be something that would be helpful to Alabama at all. On the other hand, if we're going to turn this into who can run the ball best in this game, Alabama or Arkansas, my money is on Alabama because Arkansas. You know, Boyd's a decent player. I mean, they got some decent backs, but they don't have Najee. They don't have Brian Robinson. They certainly don't have Alabama's offensive line. You'd, you'd, you'd like Alabama in that matchup as well. One interesting thing to me is they could be changing quarterbacks again. They, they've gone back and forth between Ben Hicks and Nick Starkle all season long and haven't really settled on one or the other. Sort of reminded me when you were going through the quarterbacks Alabama's played and hadn't really prepared for Luke. How many of the 14 SEC teams, now with Tua out, how many SEC teams, because of injury or performance, have had to play two quarterbacks? Pretty much everybody. I mean, Florida clearly has. South Carolina Missouri, has. Missouri. Tennessee has. Missouri's played Kelly Brown all year, right? So that's No, No, remember he was hurt at some point. 
And didn't he? he was, but he, I think he played the next week. I think he came out, but he played the next week. So he did. But I, I mean, I'm saying that yeah, they were still yeah. he, the other guy was still forced into action. He was. He was even even if it was part of the game. That's true. I think the Vanderbilt guy. Have they have they played musical chairs or have they stuck with Riley Neal in every game? I'm not. I I'm think not they've sure. gone straight Wildcat every game. <laughs> and, and speaking of Wildcat, the Kentucky Wildcats, we know they've gone through three quarterbacks. Georgia has gone with. They've Trump. gone through three quarterbacks and two wide receivers at, at that position. That's right. And then you go to the West. Now two was out. Auburn has had Bo Nix every week. That's helped them. Arkansas goes back and forth between between uh, Hicks and Starkle. Texas A&M has had Kellen Mond out there all year. That that's Mississippi two. State and Mississippi. Mississippi State's played have. both. Oh, yeah, but Mississippi State and Mississippi have had to play multiple guys. Um, and so, then LSU's yeah, so been we, fine, yeah. LSU, of course, in LSU, you know, they lead the league in quarterbacking now with with two yeah. out indefinitely. So, so yeah, there's only, what was that, maybe five teams of the 14 that have really played one guy, Burrow, Mond, Fromm, Nix, and Kelly Bryant. Mm. You know, even if you count Kelly Bryant. So it just tells you how and you know, and in this new kind of hurry up, get the ball out of your hands quickly day and age, it, it just tells you still how dangerous this sport can be sometimes and how you know yep. just one guy going down like that can can really just thwart your whole season. Luckily we've got a lot of five stars no, there's, and, and there's a lot of football stars. left. There's a lot of football left. So who know who knows how even but you know, the funny thing to me is Alabama fans Two is out. All the focus has been on Alabama versus LSU. LSU still has a game to play. And if I'm Auburn right now, I am chuckling at all the, is Tua going to be healthy for LSU? LSU licking their chops, getting to play Mac Jones. And and the focus on Alabama, LSU, and Auburn has to be going, uh, hello, we're in the top 10. We play you this weekend. And, well, I think LSU is going to win the game. I think LSU is going to beat Auburn comfortably. I have made a career out of underestimating Auburn in this situation. So that LSU-Alabama game is going to look really different if LSU limps in there with a loss. No, I'm right there with you. In fact, I think we're all pulling for LSU, not only just to make the LSU-Alabama game better, but because if Auburn were to lose this game, that effectively makes this a two-team race. I mean, and some people would argue it is anyway, but no, I think this would makes this a two-team race because it would be practically impossible uh, for Auburn to 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 go to the, the SEC championship game because then LSU would have to lose what three times? Three times. That's not happening. Yeah. So. Especially yep. Yeah, nope. All right, buddy. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Bama. We will be back with you tomorrow. Roll Tide, everybody. Pineapple. Oh, I've thought about you. You're not doing this game right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, we probably should pick another one. Pineapple reminds me too much of Tua. What are we doing to ourselves? That's right. We need to come up with something better. Uh, We'll we'll, we'll think about that for the next podcast. All right, buddy, roll down. associate with Mac Jones. Oh, that's good. uh, No, I think we need, since it's a goodbye, we need to, I don't know. You know what? I don't even know where I'm going with this. Just roll tight again. Aloha.